morning. Psalm 134. Come bless the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thank you, Maddie. That was expertly done, even if Matt doesn't know your name. Uh, well, I, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's Ben Winkler. I'm the assistant pastor here, um, and I am delighted that we get to look at this scripture together. But I invite you to pray with me quickly before we get started. Father God, you are a good God who desires good things for your people. You desire, in fact, better things for us than we even dare dream about or, or dare hope in this life. And so, Father, I pray that you would use our time this morning, that by your Spirit you would remind us of your goodness, that you would remind us of your nearness today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, when I was a, a kid, went on a family vacation which this is always scary because, you know, you never really know if your memories as a child are, are all that accurate, right? But in my mind, we were, I think, in East Tennessee in, you know, somewhere Gatlinburg or in Pigeon Forge or somewhere driving down the strip, right? You've, you've been to these towns and you know that, you know, just right down the middle of town, I don't know the names of the streets, y'all probably do, but there's just one tourist attraction after another, right? Like there's Ripley's Believe It or Not, there's, uh, you know, there's uh, shows and dinner theaters and restaurants and there's these mountain roller coasters, all these kinds of things. And I remember as a kid, we were driving... And my sister laid eyes on the, the prize, right? She laid eyes on what she thought was going to be the coolest experience that we could have in, in East Tennessee. Uh, and it was a ski lift that went up to the top of the hill. And you couldn't quite see what, was, what, what happened when you got there. But we were like, I mean, if they built a ski lift, that's got to keep going up even higher and higher. It's got to lead to some amazing vista point, right? And so we saw... She, uh, talk to my dad into buying us the tickets, right? And we all line up and get our hands stamped and pay whatever exorbitant price the tourist spots charge. And we loaded up onto uh, the ski lift and, and very slowly ascended up to the top of the hill. But when we got there, it just stopped. Like there was no like second, like we thought, oh, we're going up the first little hump and then they'll, you know, keep going. But it just stopped at the top of the hill, and we got out, and we were like, is, is, is this it, right? Like, there's, where's, like, the observation deck, right? Where's the, where's the refreshment stand? Where's, what, what direction am I facing? What, why did we come to the top of the hill? Why, why did we pay money to come up here? Because what was up there was just, like, a field of, like, grass, that was like not even mowed grass. It wasn't even manicured grass. It was just like a bunch of people with their suckers tat sucker tattooed on their foreheads wandering around in circles like we've got to kill some time up here before we go back down, right, to make it worthwhile. Maybe 
uh, you are like me and we come to this psalm, this song that is here, and we have been uh, for weeks now, uh, months, we have been going through the Psalms of Ascent, these, these songs that the people of Israel would sing as they made their way up the hill to Jerusalem. And um, I don't know about you, but uh, I really expected the end of this ascent to be something spectacular, something novel, something that, that really struck with me. Um, when Matt sent out the preaching schedule and he gave me the, the last psalm, I thought, oh boy, this is going to be this is going to be a good one. I'm going to really enjoy this. And I picked it up and I read Psalm 134. I'm going to be honest, I was really underwhelmed. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. The Lord bless you. Sounds, in fact, a lot like a, a church service. It sounds a lot like our call to worship that happens at the beginning of the service. And it sounds a lot like a benediction that happens at the end of our service. Y'all know, I go to church all the time, right? I expected something novel, something new inside, something grand, something to, to really sink my teeth into. And so there's a tiny little part of me when I read this psalm that felt like I had, had ascended the, the ski lift to nowhere. But I think one of the things that we have to do as, as people who live thousands of years after these texts were, were written is we need to question ourselves. When they give us advice, when they celebrate something that, that seems obscure and weird, maybe the problem is not with the thing they're celebrating, but maybe the problem is ourselves. When the writers of Scripture say something that offends us or, 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 or mocks our sensibilities, maybe the problem is not that they are so primitive, but that we are too primitive, too primitive to understand the goodness of what there is. And so one of the things as I came to this text, as I came to realize, is that maybe they're telling me exactly what I need to hear. Maybe what we need is exactly to go to church. Maybe exactly what we need is a ritual exchange of blessings because in it, it reminds us of what we were made to be. We need to go to church because the people of God need to know that they were made. They were made for the purpose of being blessed by God. They need to go to church because they need to know that they were made for the purpose of blessing God in this world. They needed to go to this celebration because their expectations were out of whack. So I want us to take a look at those uh, two concepts. What is it uh, that you were, one, made to be blessed by God, and two, that you were made in order to bless God, that you were made in order to be blessed by God, and that you were made in order to bless God. You can see it's not hard to, to figure out that that is the theme of this text, right? It says there's three verses, and it says bless three times, right? Right off the bat, at the end of this journey, we come to, to this blessing in verse 3. May the Lord bless you from Zion. He who made heaven and earth. But if we're going to understand what it's talking about, what is it that they, 
that the, the psalmist wants God to do, or rather, what is it that he wants the people of God to understand, we need to first ask the question, what does it mean to be blessed? It's not a word we use every day, or at least not used uh, in the same way that I think the Bible is using it. And then the second question is, is why do we need a, a church service? Why do we need a church service uh, to remind us of that? So first, what does it mean to be blessed? No, it means something different than hashtag blessed, right, on social media. These, have you seen these, uh, you know, it's much derided, but it's worth pointing out again. Have you ever seen a, a post on social media that, that carries the hashtag blessed, right? It is normally of some um, elaborate material possession that someone has acquired, right? It is a picture of them when they feel extremely attractive, Right? It, it's, it's when they've uh, perhaps reached a certain family-level status. Right? They, they, were, they got married, or they had a kid, or they, they satisfied some long itch, then they are hashtag blessed. And it's kind of in the same vein as you'll hear you know, the preachers that are on TV telling you that if, if you just do the right things, if you just pay the right amount of money, then God will bless you. He'll give you all sorts of money. He'll give you the car that you want. He'll give you the, the house that you want. Is that what the psalmist is talking about when he, when he says, May the God, the Lord, bless you from Zion? Maybe some of you grew up in church and you grew up with... Um, some folks around you who, uh, in the words of Charles Dickens, uh, made their rigidity a religion. And they thought being a, a somebody who, who followed Jesus meant that you lived according to a, a strict and a, austere lifestyle, right? That, that you couldn't have anything too sweet or too good in this life, otherwise you were somehow unspiritual. And so when they read the Bible and they talk about blessings... God's blessings, they, they, they make them all spiritualized. They make them all uh, metaphysical. They make them some uh, feeling in your heart. But not the kind of life that really any of us want to live. But I think what the Bible uses those words, it doesn't mean either of those things. It can't mean that it's, it's a, a, a truckload of material blessings because Jesus is the one who said, blessed are the poor. And it can't mean that to be blessed by God is just a feeling inside your heart, a, a joyful demeanor, because uh, the Bible tells us all over the place of, of men and women who are blessed by God and given their heart's desires in this life. Instead, what I think when we, to answer the question, what does it mean to be blessed? It means to be equipped to live life to the fullest to be equipped to, to, to have God give you what you need to live life as he has designed. If you've been around Redeemer, you've heard us make the claim that when what Christianity really is is not some list of rules that's superimposed on reality, but that the story of God creating heaven and earth, the story of Jesus entering into our midst, the story of Jesus redeeming us and bringing us to new life, is a story of how we become more human, not less. And the way he does it is that he builds into us, he blesses us with himself. 
You see, uh, the reason we need to go to church is because we need to know that our blessings, that our ability to live in this life come from God. So what does it mean to be blessed? It means that we are, are equipped, that we are given what we need to live life to its, its designed purpose. Uh, so how do we, but why do we need to come to church for that? Right? Couldn't we just all um, in our hearts say a, a prayer each week and, and, and um, be set? You know? Couldn't we all just look around our lives each day and be like, oh yes, God has done all these things. That is, uh, I am blessed by God. Why is it that oftentimes when it comes time for the benediction and we invite you to raise your hands, it feels trite. It feels like a performance. It feels like something unnecessary. The reason that church is necessary, the reason that, 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 that worship is necessary is because it reminds these people where their blessings come from. Because if you're not reminded where your blessings come from, you are hardwired to think that you did it yourself. You are hardwired to, to think that, that you are a person who can handle life on your own. If you're not reminded that you are blessed by God, that you have the capacity for life in this world because of what God has given you, you will instinctually think that you must do life on your own. That you must spend uh, uh, to reach a certain level of education in order to mean something to somebody. That you must, uh, that you must attain a certain level of, of professionalism or a certain family status to be of value, to be of worth. But what if? What if you lived in this world and knew instinctually that you were loved and that you were cared for? What if week after week after week, the story of your life was God telling you that he loves you, that he desires what is good for you, that he has given you every good gift? How would that change the way you live in the world? God gives these uh, these uh, Israelites who ascend up to Jerusalem, who have made this long and arduous journey, he gives them the gift that he, they are loved by him, that their truest and most real humanity is not in themselves, but it's in their independence, but in their dependence. When I think of what that looks like, when I think of the way that that could affect the way that I understand my world or the way that you do, I think about uh, this last week. Uh, my grandfather had a, had a stroke, and to be honest, things aren't looking very well for him in, the, in this life. Um, his speech is slurred. His, he's unable to, to swallow and it's a, it's, a, it's a really difficult situation. Many of you have been there. But something about coming to the end of life makes us think about what matters the most, right? When we come to the end of the story, uh, the story of, of our time on this earth, we, we naturally reflect on, on what was meaningful to us. And when I, I, Whitney and I talked with my grandfather a few days ago on the phone, and, and 
Uh, we're qu quite frankly not sure if he could even respond to us or if he could, how, what his coherence level would be. But we called him and we, we said, Grandpa, we love you so much. And his response, his response was, was really fascinating to me because he said, in, in through, through a heavily slurred speech, he said, I always knew that. I always knew that. That he could, could lie on his bed, which in all honesty might be the last bed he lies in, at the end of his story, and he could say to his family members, I knew that you loved me. Why could he say that? Why could he have that assurance? Why could he have that peace? It's because we told him over and over and over again, is sometimes almost instinctually on the way out the door, love you, Grandpa, on the phone or, or via text, love you, Grandpa. And if, if, if a grandfather receiving that from a, a grandchild could give him confidence and hope in this life, how much more if the God who, what's he say? The God who made heaven and earth told you over and over and over again, I love you. I desire what is good for you, whether it is poverty or riches, whether it is singleness or whether it is marriage, that I desire to give you life and life to the fullest. Would that be worth the journey to the top of the hill? Would that be worth the journey through this life if we knew that at the end we would be reminded, at the end that we would know whose we are. God has blessed you. And he invites you to gather for worship because he knows that you need it. You need to be reminded over and over again that you are, 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 uh, that you are at life in this world, not by your independence not because of what you have achieved, but by what you have been given, by when you have been dependent upon him. So the first thing that this psalm corrects in my heart is, is my anticipation of the value of, of gathering together with God's people in worship is because it shapes how I see the world, because it reminds me of truth. But there's a second way. It's not just that you were made to be blessed by God, but this one's a little stranger, a little more curious, that you were made to bless God. You saw in the first two verses, Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. If you're like me, you've read words like bless the Lord over and over and over again. It occurs uh, throughout the Bible and, and without much Reflection, right? You just think, bless. Oh, you, it's something nice. You to God, something nice. But when you think about the word bless, what does the word bless mean? It is to give someone what they need for life to the fullest, to equip somebody with what they, what they desire to have their fullest life experience. And it starts getting really strange, right? Because the whole story of the Bible is, is that God's, you know, way up here, right? And, and we're, way down here, right? God's the creator. We are the creation. The God is, is the, uh, the God is the father, and we are the children. The God is the shepherd, and we are the lambs. And so this command 
here given to the, the priests who served at, at the temple of God is kind of a strange one, isn't it? Bless the Lord. Give to the Lord what he needs. How are we to, to bless the one from whom all blessings flow? How are we as humans supposed to bless him? What do you give to someone who has everything that they need already? Right? You, you probably have someone in your family, somebody in your, your friends, right? And they are uh, probably of a certain age, right, and of a certain financial means that, that when Christmas rolls around or, or their birthday rolls around and, and the question is asked to them, you know, you're like, oh, I want to give them something nice, right? I want to give them a gift. I want to bless them uh, with a gift. But, but they buy all the things they already need, right? You know, you think about, um, I don't know who it is for you, you know, an, an uncle or an aunt, a, 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 perhaps a parent. Like, I have no earthly idea what to buy my parents every Christmas, right? I don't know, maybe you all have love your parents so well that you've got this figured out. Every year, I'm like, I don't know what they need. They, they don't really have hobbies that much, you know. They, they, they you know, I don't, like, what do, how do I bless them? How do you bless them? I think, uh, is, is it by gadgets? Is it by trinkets? No, the blessing for, for somebody who has everything they need is, is time. Right? The blessing for somebody who has everything they need is, is words. It's, it's a posture. It's a relationship. What they desire from you is not for you to satisfy their needs, but for you to be in relationship with them. That's why some of your translations, if you're looking at your Bible, some of your translations will even say in the first part of this psalm, they'll say, come, worship the Lord, all you servants. And then they'll say, God bless you. But it's actually the same word, worship and bless, but they're, they're translating it for you because they're saying to bless God is to worship him. It's to, to use your actual physical body. It's to use your mouth to declare to him your love, to declare to him your adoration. It is to sing. It is to pray. It is to enter into a life with God where you converse with him, to hear him speak to you in, your, in the scriptures and to, and to respond to him in prayer and in praise. That you were made for such a purpose. We could argue, we could go from, from Genesis to, to Revelation, from Genesis when, G, when God walks with Adam and Eve in the, in the cool of the day, right? That his desire is to be with his people, to Revelation when he creates a whole new city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, and he says, I will be with my people. I will dwell with them. What blessing God desires from you is to be in relationship with you. So when we think about why do we need to go to worship, why do we need to get together as a group of people Part of the reason is, is because you need to be reminded, you need to be exhorted, you need to be encouraged that you, you're, you are made for the purpose of blessing God. <clears throat> when I think about uh, 
I'm going to give you another grandpa illustration because he's, you know, on my mind a lot this week. When I was a, uh, when I was a teenage, junior higher probably is when it started, um, I started getting these phone calls from my grandpa every, uh, every May, you know, as the school year winds down. And uh, every year it would be the same conversation. He'd say, so when are you coming to work? Grandpa was an entrepreneur, had, had real estate in various parts of this city, had, 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 it, always had about 12 irons in the fire. In fact, he's, he's 86, I think, and he still has lots of ovens in the, uh, whatever. You know what I'm saying. Lots of pots, irons in the fire. I said it right. Good. Um, and so he wanted me to come work every, every, every semester, every summer. And I got to tell you, as a 7th or 8th grader, this was not an enticing prospect, right? This invitation to come and ride around with him in his little uh, black S10 rusted out uh, pickup truck as we drove around fields working on, a, uh, on a, some real estate development, clearing out brush, climbing under the crawl space of his house to spray uh, for termites. I'm not sure how I was qualified for that one, but... He would, he would send me into every dark, nasty corner of every property he owned. It was a horrific invitation. It seemed like the last thing that I could possibly need each summer. And it was an invitation that is, to this day, one of the biggest blessings of my life. Especially if this, his health continues to, to sour those moments of one-on-one time, those moments of, of driving around in his pickup truck with sweat dripping off of our noses means a whole lot to me. Because I realized when Grandpa invited me to that summer was not an invitation to come uh, solve all his problems. He could have hired any number of people to do that. He always had dozens of people on the payroll. He could have assigned those jobs to to literally anyone else that worked for him. He didn't invite me because he thought I needed a paycheck. He knew I was a teenager and stupid with money. I was going to waste it all on stupid things. He invited me to come work with him. He invited me to this, to be honest, really uh, didn't feel much like an invitation because he was inviting me to relationship with him. He was inviting me to come spend time with him, to come be reminded that he loved me and that, that I meant something to him. And week after week when you show up, we, we go through this call to worship at the beginning of our service. And, and there's a great risk that it's just white noise in the back of your mind. But each week what it is, it is your heavenly Father inviting you to worship because he knows it's what you need the most. That repeating that over and over again has the opportunity to shape you, to make you into the full life of a human that he made us to be. Because he made us to live in relationship with him. So why do we need it? Why do we need to gather for worship because without it, we tend to think that our life is about ourselves. 
If we don't gather for worship, we will come to a, a Bible study. We'll listen to a sermon. We'll, we'll, I'm sure from a different church, not this one. You'll leave and you'll go, ah, nothing. I didn't get anything out of that. They didn't speak to me. He, his illustrations were all about grandpas, and, and I can't relate with that. You'll come away from, from talking about, about God, and you'll think that, that it is about the, the, your greatest need is for somebody to fill you up or somebody to, to, uh, to cater to your whims or to, to provide the right programming for your family. But you are invited to worship because God wants to change the way you see the world, that you were made for him to be the audience. That you gather not because it fills you up, but because the prayers that you pray become an incense for him to smell. That he invites you to gather for worship, not so that he can, uh, can, uh, can in a flash change your world, but so that you, over weeks and months and years and decades, can see that he created you to live life with him hearing from him in the scriptures, and responding to him in prayer. You see, the greatest blessing God can give to you, whether you believe this or not, is to invite you to come worship him. You see, we needed this psalm more than we thought we did. It sounded like just poetic, uh, poetic hash. It sounded like pure ritual that meant nothing, but when in reality the psalmist gives us is when we reach, when we ascend at the top of the hill, it's not a, a weed-strewn hill. It is, it is the essence of what it means to be a human, to live in relationship, to live according to the designs of our Heavenly Father. And that's why when the story of Scripture closes, it closes in these pictures of the new city of Jerusalem. And over and over again, if you read the, the, the book of Revelation, we see these images of, of the angels, of the elders, of the, the, the witnesses, of those martyrs. who, And every group of people finds their fullest expression when they are able to say, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Blessed be the Lord, because it is what we were made to do. We were made to bless God, and we were made to be blessed by God. So let us journey together as he blesses us with his goodness. Pray with me. Father, I pray that as we gather for worship this morning, Lord, that you would take what is common and what is ordinary what feels, for some of us, obligatory. For some of us, it feels like a show and it feels like a charade. And God, I pray that you would use those things to melt our hearts, to remind us that who we are in, the, in our truest and deepest selves is that we are children of your family that we are creatures of your creation, that we were put here to live life with you. Father, change us by your word. Give us a desire to know you and to be known by you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.